When I hear things like what happened with Kobe Bryant, very, very tragic, very sad, uh, prime of his life, never thought that would be his last day. When I hear things like that, I don't really think about how much money he had. I don't really think about how his wife feels having lost her husband and daughter in the same thing. I don't think about the others that are on board as much as I think about were they ready. Because no dunk he made. No three-pointer he shot, no trophy he won, and no ring on his finger matters now. The only thing that matters is was he ready. We know he went to church that morning, so he might have been. That's not my point. Now, coronavirus is scaring a lot of people. And by the way, that, that does not need to be a place of panic. We don't need to panic about that. We need to pray. We need to pray, not panic. But that virus is causing a lot of people to think first death in America just happened and so forth. And the worst thing that could happen to a person is not to die. That is not the worst thing that could happen. The worst thing that could happen is to die without Jesus. It's the worst thing that can happen. And there are two different states of eternity, two different eternal states. And the best way to sum them up is one is without God. The other one is with God. If you realize in Scripture, the way Jesus defines, he says, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Depart from me. And the Bible talks about, when it talks about that place uh, called, called uh, uh, hell, it talks about uh, being, being aside and being apart from the presence of the Lord. So there is a place where those that don't want God, God sends them. And there's a place that those that do want God, God sends them. And every now and then, because we don't think about eternity that much and because it's something that people put off, I think God gives us these windows, these, these peeps into what may happen after people die. And he's done that for us here in Montgomery. He's done it for us at Fresh and Awning. He's done it for us perhaps all over the place because one of our members, one of the people who go to this church, grew up in this church, had an experience where he actually left his body. And he visited some places that today I want you to hear about. So, Josh, would you come on up? And Pastor Miles, would you come up also? We're going to hear a story today that is a true story, a genuine story that's going to touch your life. Please have a seat here. We welcome our Atlanta campus in with us. We got Fresh and Learning House of Worship, Norcross, Georgia with us. Bless you, Pastor. Have your seat there next to your son. So, this is Josh Miles. Josh, how old are you? 25. 25 years old. You're a good-looking dude. How'd you get all that hair, man? Sometimes some good cocoa butter and a little bit of patience. Good cocoa butter. Okay, make sure the mics are good. You didn't get it from your dad, I see. No. No, no. <laughs> no, I didn't get it from dad. Okay. And uh, uh, dad, how long has he been your son? <laughs> Overseer, make sure that mic is on. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a joke there. Okay. He, here we go. Now, um, uh, not too long ago, a couple of, what was it, a couple of months ago, perhaps? Yeah. A couple of months ago, uh, give the mic to Dad. Dad, check the mic, make sure it's working. One, two. One, two. A couple of months ago, you had, um, I want to call it an encounter. Mm-hmm. And Dad, you were there. So I want you to just set it up for me and tell me, just walk us through what happened that night. My son had caught the flu. Okay. And... Like me, he, he really just doesn't pay attention to when he gets sick. He tries to just walk it off. But it was more serious than he thought. 
thought, and his temperature went up to 106 degrees. Did you say 106? 106. And he was at work at O'Reilly's, and when I went to visit him, he didn't look good. And I told him, I said, you should go So he's home. at work with 106 temperature. Yes. Wow. And I told him he needs to go home. He said, Dad, I got to finish my shift. I said, your health comes first. He said, I'm going to finish my shift. I said, okay. So he finished his shift, went to visit his, his, his fiance, and uh, she noticed the temperature, and she um, tried to cool him down by putting a cold towel on his neck and something on his head and gave him something cool to drink. And already something was happening to his mentality because he had been at that temperature for some time. So she said he was walking around euphoric, you know, just already losing it, but he was trying to hold on to it. And he came home, and his temperature was 102 for the whole night, and I didn't know it because he wow. lives downstairs. Wow. So um, the Lord told me on Saturday, which was on January 4th, don't go to prison ministry. Take your son to the emergency room. And um, so I did. And when I took on my way to the emergency room, the Lord said, don't go to the one in Prattville. Go to Prattville East. So it's very important that you hear the, hear the voice of the Lord because yeah. his instructions oh, yeah. are on time and they're very particular for reasons yeah. that we don't understand until you get into the experience itself. So you're taking him to Prattville East and in the car, what's going on? In the car, his temperatures, I can see him a little edgy. Okay. But the amazing thing was when I changed direction and got on the highway, I know that the woman of God that God put in his life is his wife. And it makes the enemy mad. So what happened was when he was sitting in his seat, he was sweating. And all of a sudden, my phone rang, and it was her. Savannah was checking on him. And when I gave him the phone, as soon as she heard his voice, the attack happened. Boom. It hit. Okay. And I can't explain the torment that he went through at that point that, that really scared me. And then the torment led to him doing what? What happened in the car when your scariest moment? Okay, my scariest moment was he was straining, he was speaking out of his voice, and his, he says, I'm going to kill you. And I realized it was demonic forces trying to take his, take his life. And, and, and I looked, and I was fearful, and then the Holy Ghost said, remember who you are. Yeah. Yeah. So I laid hands on him. And I started crying because the torment was crazy. And as I started playing, praying, it got worse. And then I really started crying out to the Lord and rebuking Satan and said, the blood of Jesus is against you. He shall live and not die. I started quoting scripture like crazy. And, and scripture works, I'm going to tell you. And while I was praying for him, all of a sudden, his back arched in his seat. Veins were coming out of both sides of his head. Tremendous pressure. I seen his faces do stuff I had never seen before. And all of a sudden, he grabbed his hoodie and he was pulling it like he had such a pain in his chest and then as I was praying for him and crying out to the Lord all of a sudden he just passed out boom so he was gone so he was gone I didn't know if he was dead or just passed out but the Lord said continue to prophesy into his life okay so you're in the car driving him to the ER and he's not there he, he's at least either in a coma passed out as far as you know so Josh what do you remember you may not remember all that but what 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 happened to you at that moment Man, I remember being in a place of, of the torment he's talking about, but I don't remember the physical state. You know? yeah. Like, I don't remember anything as far as what was going on in the truck. I just knew what was going on in my mind. So one of the last things I remember was I was talking to her, 
boom, all of a sudden I went into like a torment of state. And that's one of the last things I remember clearly. I don't remember him. I couldn't see him praying or I couldn't remember anything like that. I just know what I was going through internally. Okay. Yeah. All right. So did you at some point leave your body or tell, tell yeah. me what happened? What, what, uh, take us to what we couldn't see, what dad couldn't see. Okay. So going from his point, when I started going through the torment and he started praying and things like that, uh, I felt myself falling. So the first thing you felt was yourself falling. falling. Yes. Yeah, like a but, but you're in a car. What, what, what do you mean? In my mind, I went to a place of like, I can see my body falling from my eyes. Wow. Yeah. Like, I, I can see what I'm seeing, but I can't react. It's like a sunken place. That's real. I know it's people, it's just a you know, movie and things like that, but that is real. That's because it it's a point to where like you can hear and you can see, but everything is so distant, there's nothing you can do about it. And I felt myself falling away from my eyes. And then all of a sudden, I went myself go straight to hell. Straight where? Hell. Straight to hell. Mm -hmm. How right. do you know? How do you know? Before that point happened, my body, my soul left my body. So. No, you say your soul left your body. Yes. What was that like? I mean, how do you know your soul left your body? What because it was an aerial view. I was passed out or, or going what I was going through first and then passed out. But I, I can see where my dad was going. I told him the lanes he was changing. I, saw the, I told him the cars he was going behind, everything. And my so, dad was so after you came back, you told your dad everything that happened everything while you were passed while out. While I was passed out. And you, yes. you were like in the air looking it was at like it? I felt like an eagle. That's what, exactly what I felt like. It looking down at yourself. Looking down. I can see almost the whole city, but I can also see my dad at the same time. Wow. It was something unbelievable. And then when it got to that point, I went straight to hell. You went straight to hell. How mm -hmm. do you know it was hell? What, what did you? It was a, see? number one, it was a very short fall. You go from an area of you and then boom, you could feel, my, I could feel myself get pulled down immediately. I went straight to hell. And when I get there, it is not like a lot of the movies and, and, and some books and stuff. It's nothing like that. Um, it's hot. But there's no fire, but it's very hot. I'll just say that again. That's an important point. You said it's hot, but there's it's no fire. It's hot, but there's no fire. Okay. Uh, it's like molted rocks. It's like molten rocks. It's really hot. It's really orange. It's glowing. I'm talking thousands of degrees glowing. Like, it's not supernatural in the way of heavenly, but this is still a supernatural thing because the ground is thousands of degrees, but your feet aren't burnt. You're very hot, but you're not passed out. Wow. Right? And see, a lot of people don't realize that the Bible actually says that hell will one day be cast into the lake of fire. Yes. So hell right now is not necessarily not the fire. fire, but the revelation says it will one day be cast into the lake cast of fire. Into, yes. So you saw that place right now. That mm -hmm. uh, and where, where do you think it was? Because you say you went down. Where, you know, you have any it, sense as to where it, you were? If I had to take an educated guess, I would say more like the center of the earth is what it felt like. It felt like the center because it's... it's it's glowing, molting rocks all around you. It's like people are standing on shells of rock. It's very hot. It's glowing. You're very thirsty. You can't breathe. You're extremely hungry. There's extreme torment. Mm. I mean, the odor is terrible. I mean, everything about hell you can imagine is everything bad you can imagine life is what hell is. You can't breathe. You can't talk. You're in torment. You're screaming. It's very hot. It's not fire, but it's very hot. Um, you can't seem to grasp the concept of real life because it's all of your worst 
just for a second, take your worst thoughts and your worst experiences and stretch that for eternity. I Never mean, I mean take, take the deepest hurts and the deepest things, the worst mistakes, all those things, and the devil puts it to where, like, you are thinking about that stuff so much, you are losing your mind for the rest of your life, for eternity, forever. We're not talking about 10 minutes. You know, we're not talking about having a bad day or a bad week or a bad shift at work. We're talking about for as long as time could ever last, eternity, you're going through torment, losing your mind. Now, the Bible says that in that place, the worm dies not. And when you look at that word worm, it actually means your conscience. Mm -hmm. your, so what you're saying is the torment is, is oftentimes thoughts. It is your life. You are thinking of your mistakes. You're thinking of things you've done wrong, people you've hurt, things that have hurt you, people that have died. You remember your life. Hell isn't a made up, he's just making you feel crazy. Everything you've ever went through, even things that you didn't go through that you could have went through, he shows you. So in hell, not only are you hurt from the things you went through, but you're hurt because now you realize how good God really was to you. Were other people there? Yes. What, like a lot? Or it's a lot. All around. It's so all, do I you mean, hear sounds from other people? You hear a lot of screaming, a lot of crying, a lot of torment. And the thing is, you can see everybody. Everybody can see each other, but you can't talk. Because you are losing your mind so much, you can't even grasp the concept of communication. It's not like you're blinded or, I mean, that's, the, that's what adds to the, the worst part of it. You can see everybody else's hurt along with yours. And you still have that in your heart. You still hurt in your heart while you're in heaven. So you're seeing people go through what they're going through and it hurts you even more. So were you trying to get out of there? Were you trying to scream out to God? What, what do you remember about? You are in a place to where... The hurt is so bad because you realize how good God was. You, part of the torment is you are begging God to save you. You are begging God to come get me. Get me out of this place, and it's too late. You know what you want, but you realize it's too late at the same time. Now, in Luke chapter 16, we have that passage where the guy from hell begins to cry out to Abraham in the bosom and say, would you dip, some, dip your finger in some water and bring mm -hmm. it down here? Because mm -hmm. I'm tormented in this flame. I'm mm -hmm. thirsty. So is that what you... Yeah, you're, you're extremely thirsty. There's just two things that make it hard. You're extremely thirsty and you can barely breathe. Now, some people have the question because you're, you're not in your body. So how do you remember? How do you talk? How do you feel? How do you encounter thirst? You know, it's actually not a physical thing. Like, you don't feel it here. You feel it, like, here. Mm. Like, you feel like you're thirsty. But I don't think it's just a thirst for liquid. I think you have a thirst for God that's unbelievable. Now you're at a place that is way too late. I don't think it's just about I need water. It's that too, but it's really I have a thirst for God now because the devil, literally, you are seeing everything that God kept you out of and what you could have went through, places you could have went and died. Now, Dad, you're still looking at him, and he's still not there or in a coma or whatever. You're still driving him to the emergency room. You have no idea he's going through all of this, when you heard this part of it, I know there's more to it, and you heard this part of it later on, what did you think? It's amazing how prayer, things shift with, with how you shift in prayer. So, as I was rebuking Satan, I was crying out to the Lord. I felt a power go through my body and through my hand, and the Lord said, don't take your hands off him. 
So as I was prophesying to him, I was speaking about his purpose. I was speaking about what God created him for. I was saying, you shall live and not die. And I said, thank you that your purpose shall be fulfilled. So I was speaking as the father would speak to his son before the throne. And uh, we was driving about 100 miles an hour the whole time. I'm praying one hand on him. And God is, I'm telling you, God is with us because I'm one-handed going through traffic about 100 miles an hour in the Escalade. And just, so by the time we get to the hospital, he hadn't moved. So the Lord put in my spirit Lazarus experience. And I said, what do you mean, Lord? He said, call his name. So he was sitting there. He hadn't moved for the last 10 minutes. And when I called his name, he didn't move. And that scared me. So I, I, I screamed his name the way Jesus must have screamed Lazarus. And I said, Joshua. And when I said it, he came to himself. And it really, and it was like it was a quickening spirit because he really looked around like he didn't know where he was or where he had been. Okay. And he was so weak that I had to go around and actually picked this big boy up and put him in a wheelchair because he didn't have no strength. Wow. So now before that happened, how long, if you can even quantify time, did you stay in hell? About 15 minutes. Okay. What makes you feel like it was about 15 minutes? Just putting together as far as what I went through and my dad explaining okay. how. So you're just, you're just calculating. Yeah, just, okay. just calculating as far as everything else. So after, after how'd, how'd you get out of hell, man? <laughs> 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 I just want to know, you know. <laughs> Good question, sir. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I was going through that and uh, it, was a, it was a very, now, mind you, when I was in that era view of my soul came out of my body, it was a very short fall. You felt, you felt down. Uh, and all of a sudden, I believe it was when my dad started really crying out and really putting the power of God on serious is when I transitioned to heaven just like that. But so just like that, you're in heaven. No, Just like that. But I will explain this. It was a blink of an eye, but at the same time, the journey to heaven is way longer than hell. That, that fall to hell was short. You know, you'd be, you're there, right? And the journey to heaven is the same way, but you can feel it is a lot longer. I mean, it's far, which goes to the point of, like, it doesn't take much. You fall straight in hell. You really got to walk this thing out and take this serious to get to heaven because it's a long, skinny road. Wow. Wow, man. So you're in heaven now. Are you outside of some gates? Are you in a place? Tell us the first thing you remember about being in heaven. You know, the first thing I remember is amazement from the simple fact that when you're in that much torment, being in hell like that, because it's more torment than I could really honestly put in words. As soon as I get to heaven, I have the most comfortable feeling you can ever imagine. Just that quick. And... When I first get there, I can't explain to you how satisfying that is. When you're standing in the presence of God, think of the best thing you can do, the best thing you can accomplish right now in your life, your biggest dreams, your biggest goals, means nothing compared to just standing in the presence of God, just standing there. So when you say, we're gonna clap, go ahead and do it well. I don't wanna interrupt that. So when you say standing in the presence of God, do you mean just being in the place of heaven where he is, or did you actually find yourself by his throne? I found myself standing right in front of his throne. At first, that was your At first, first entrance to heaven. First sight, yeah. In front of his throne. Mm -hmm. 
Tell me about the throne. It is, once again, nothing like movies and books portray it to be. The only true book about it is the Bible. Because all the movies, they have clouds, and he's just, it's nothing like that. Number one, it's the purest light you ever want to see. The purest what? The purest light. Purest light. Mm -hmm. You know, the Bible said God is light. Mm -hmm. So, tell me more. Okay. So, like, if, when you look at the sun, and you look at any light bulb, you look at anything like that, you see beams, you see rays coming off of them, things like that. This is nothing like that. This is the purest, most natural light you ever want to see, and it's bright. There's not a grain in sight. And what's so supernatural about it is that there is not one shadow. I mean, you look at what we're sitting on, it has corners, it has shadows. You can see his throne, but it's crystal clear, but yet you can see it with not a shadow. How do you explain that? So do you see... Do you, you see, see just, do you see only light or do you see a being? Do you see a chair? I see, you see him sitting on a throne. You see him himself, which is fairly big, to be honest with you. And it's, he's completely a clear entity, but yet you can see him. And there is such a presence there that his presence is so strong, it's like a soft thunder. Like a what? Like a soft thunder. Soft thunder. Mm -hmm. You don't hear it, but you feel it because his presence is so strong. I mean, I'm telling that is a place of reverence. That's, I mean, you literally just want to serve him. That's all you want to do. You are waiting after, for his every command. What can I do for you? That's all your life is about at that point. Yeah. So there, it's not even about what he did for you. It's not like I'm going to praise him because he gave me a blessing. I'm going to praise him because he did it. It's just a, who he is. It's who he is because you can't remember anything here. Hmm. You don't remember family, you don't remember girlfriends, you don't remember friends. You know, I mean, I know it sounds depressing right now, but I promise you it's not. Uh, you don't remember anything. All thing you're you just, know is you are in heaven, you are here, and you want to serve him. That is it. You don't remember anything about anybody here. What, what sights did you see around? You could see him, the throne, which are both clear. You, but did you were able to look him. at him? You just, you just looked at him? You can look at him, but you don't even want to. He is so powerful and so sovereign that you don't even want to look in his face. You are that humble. You can see him, but it's, it's not just about his light being so bright. It's about you respecting and honoring him so much. I don't even want to look at your face. I just want to look at here and listen for what you, what you want me to do. What is your instructions? And you can see him. You can see his throne. It's clear. And you see animals around him. You see what? Animals. Animals. Yep. Describe the animals. Okay, you have like which is, which is crazy because it's not what I thought it would be when I got there. But you have like a lion right here. And it is all white. Now, granted, a lot of animals have white eyes that aren't around a lot of sun. White, you know, the white around the people actually reflects light and makes them see better at night. So if you have that much light in a place of being, why are their eyes white? It makes no sense. Everything about heaven is supernatural. And it has multiple sets of eyes, eyes all around it. This isn't just a two sets the, of eyes. The animals have eyes all around. Mm -hmm. They have all, eyes all around. Hold on one second. Have y'all ever read that in the Bible? Yeah. About around the throne, there are these four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. And one of the things that gave me such confidence about Josh and what he went through is that he didn't really know that. When he came to speak, he said, Bishop, he said, please, I don't know if I'm losing my mind because I ain't never seen this in the movies. He said, around the throne, there were animals that had eyes everywhere. I said, Josh, that's in the Bible, man. That's what the Bible says. This man saw the throne of God. And these animals, what were they doing? 
Okay, so you had the the it's like a lion type of animal here with a lot of eyes. Uh, you had more animals. You had another animal that had it had like wings, but it wasn't like normal wings. It was like it was two wings, but they were separated in like three different sections. And they were standing like it wasn't standing. All these animals were staying confident, but yet all of the eyes were on him. All of their eyes. All of the eyes. If even with me standing there, they weren't even looking at me. They were constantly looking at him. They weren't even paying me no mind. I was just, they're just like, hey, what's up, man? I'm looking at God. I ain't worried about you. You know, like that's, that's how I was. Um, you see all these animals over four, and they're all looking at him. It's like they're waiting, but yet they're confident. I mean, the lion is standing like, yeah, I'm in heaven, you know? But he's looking at God like, what do you want me to do? The other animal is the same way. His, his wings aren't just down by his side. He stands with confidence. But yet he all, all of them have multiple sets of eyes, and they're looking at him. Did you see other people? No. You didn't see people. I didn't see other people. I saw another I saw another being that was almost like a man. It was almost like a man. It was it was it was standing along with the animals. It was almost like a man, but I can't can't quite describe what it really looked like. So the the main thing that happened to you was the feeling, the Okay. So the the feeling of being there is beyond satisfying. I mean, you are standing there doing no oh, I was. I was standing there doing nothing whatsoever. And I had the most complete feeling of accomplishment and satisfaction than anything I can imagine to do here. I mean, everybody, we all have dreams. We all have goals. We all have financial things we want to meet. I mean, you take hitting the lottery or whatever you want to, whatever it comes to your mind, the best thing you could think of is not, it is nothing compared to just standing there. I mean, you just standing there looking at God, waiting to hear what he has to say. And it sounds funny, but like, it's rather comfortable. I mean, <laughs> it's not hot, it's not cold. I mean, there's nothing, um, it, it is a body though. People think you're just this ghost floating so around. You, you had yeah, a body. You have a body. It's a it's spiritual like, body. Yeah, it's a spiritual body, but it's perfect. You saw definition? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Were you buff? Yeah, you know, I was, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Three, 350, you know, you know something like that. Uh, no, it's, it's a mature body. If I, have, if I had to take an educated guess, I, I would say he probably puts you in like a 25 to 30-year-old body, something that's mature, everything's fully developed. And, but it's a real body. So you have feet, you can walk, you, you can have walk. substance. Mm -hmm. There's no hair, so you, you like can that. feel, you, you don't do this and your hand goes through, you feel. No, yeah, this isn't like, you know, Casper, we're floating around, no. <laughs> it's not like that. You have a real body. It's hairless, you don't feel hungry, you don't feel thirsty, you don't feel the urge to use the bathroom, it's nothing like that. You. You, you're empty almost inside. It's like you're filled with nothing but the presence of God. There's nothing inside of you. Man, yeah. wow. There's no satisfaction you can get from using the bathroom or eating food or drinking water. There's nothing so you have no need. You. No, there's no need except for him. There is nothing else you need, period. You don't remember anything on earth. You don't remember who you loved, who you didn't love. There is nothing you remember. All you remember is God. I'm here to serve God. That's it. There's nothing else you're worried about. Did he speak to you? No. Didn't say anything? Did he look at you? No. Okay, you were just there? He, I presence. was just there. I was standing in front of him. Like, I, there, I don't have this big, you know, he came down and I am God. No, it's none, it's none of that. I was standing there. He was sitting on his throne. It's like he what? It's like he paid me attention, but he was so God that I was just there in his presence. It's like he knew it was just an honor for me to be there. There was no instruction. There were no words. I have no big dramatic plot twist. I was just standing there, and next thing you know, Boom, I'm back. So how'd you get out of heaven, man? So this guy comes in at. 
Did you feel yourself falling back? I did. You did? I did. You felt a mm-hmm. sensation of falling? Yeah. Did it last a long time? or No. Okay, so you, you're falling back. Did you have regrets? Mm-hmm. Did, you, did you feel like, I don't want to leave here? What's happening? What were your feelings? You know, me being young, this is going to sound messed up. I'm just an honest dude. Me being young, it's like you're almost scared to leave here. People get so wrapped up in who we love and our friendships and our loyalty to the people and what makes us feel good that some of us are scared to die. But I'm telling you that death is not the worst thing. Where you're going can be the worst thing. That's, yeah. 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 Um, just like sleep. We love sleep. Sleep is a close thing to death. Yeah. So we love sleep. But the reason why we love sleep is because we know we're coming back. We're scared to leave here. This is nothing. I'm telling you, I didn't even realize this until this happened. Being here in the best moments is nothing compared to being up there with God. I'm telling you, there's not, there is nothing better you can ever think of. When I came back here, I was mad. That's, I'm for real. I was mad. I was like, come on, bro. Like, I'm for real. I was mad because I was like, when I came back here, this place smells worse than you think it does. Mm. The air is thicker than you think it is. Mm. The lights are more dim than you can imagine they are. I mean, this light is bright, but it's nothing. You know, I mean, this place is a lot more um, run down than you may think. Because coming back from heaven, man, I was hot. I was tired. I couldn't breathe well. I was weak because it felt like my body was, it was a spiritual experience, but it felt like my body was having to reacclimate to to earth. And I've been here my whole life. How has that experience changed your life? It's made me take everything a lot more serious. I, yeah, I mean, I had a walk with God. My dad raised me well. I talk to people all the time about God and really try to change people's lives. That, that's all cool. Understand that you can go to church every single day and bust hell wide open. That's, that's, that's the sad truth. Yeah, I mean, there, there's people that, you know, they go to Monday choir practice, they go to Wednesday Bible study, we go Saturday to feed the poor people, we go Sunday, go to church, and then I go to the night service, and I wake up Monday and pray for seven hours. That's all cool. You can bust hell wide open. This is a true way of life. This ain't a religion. Everybody's, oh, you're religious. I'm not religious, man. I'm, I'm a child of God, period. This, yeah. This, oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. this is not an act. It's not a ritual. So coming back from that, I mean, from my personal experience, this is a miracle. I mean, Doctor-wise, I had a stroke, a heart attack, and a seizure. So the doc said you had a stroke, mm-hmm. heart attack, and seizure mm-hmm. at 25 years old. Yes. Wow. So for me, if you ask me what it did for my life, I'm here talking to you right now. I mean, you guys see, everybody in the church used to see me being this happy-go-lucky guy. But for a few weeks, I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. I didn't want to eat. Hmm. Nothing. I mean, walking, I had to literally count my steps. Left, right, left, right. It was rough. And I really had to depend on my dad and my fiance for um, the what I can see at first. Because this was a, sh- a big shift in my life, you're not walking and talking. But after a while, my dad always told me, man, God's going to be your recovery. I got scared because when you, I've been, you know, blessed enough to, according to people, to be intelligent. But when you get to a point where you can't even think fast enough to get a full sentence out, and you can't walk. Every, everything that God gave you as a gift, you realize you, what you really had. Yeah, yeah. So you're more grateful. Wow. More grateful. I mean, going through that experience makes me take it more serious, not only from a, uh, 
a heaven and hell point, realizing how real this really is. But it makes me understand that we take a lot of stuff for granted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of people let 60 seconds mess up their entire week. Mm. I mean, mm. we mm. <clears throat> we don't realize how good we have it. You know, we go to the to Walmart. We stand in line too long, and the world's about to fall down. I want my honey baked ham now. No, that's not. You know, I mean, we we take so many things for granted. The fact that you woke up. You walked here. If you're on streaming, you got a computer. You can even watch streaming on. You got internet right now. I mean, we take a lot of this stuff for granted and don't realize how real eternal life is afterwards. I mean, this is real. This is not a game. Even I was shook. I was shook. Like, because you see something like that, and when you come back here, you realize, like, I really got to get this together, man. I mean, tithing, offering, things like that, obedience. When you're up there, that, that's one thing that I'm learning right now after this experience. If I had to take one thing away, it's obedience. Because when you're up there, all you are is obedient. Mm. You're obedient when I be obedient. You just, what can I do? If I'm not doing anything, I'm going to stand here and not move a muscle until you tell me to. But here we take our own liberties. We have a sense of entitlement. We feel like we're owed something. We ain't owed nothing. God don't owe us anything. We owe him everything. Come on, sir. Say that. It's all about him, isn't it? Yeah. It's all about him. I said it's all about him. Yeah. Why do you think this happened to you? You ever thought about that? I did think about it. And God is very strategic. I think we forget that sometimes. I, I, I'm going to get to that. But it's like we forget that he knows the beginning and the end. See, we hear all these things, even me. We hear all these things, and they're so cliche, and we're used to hearing them, that we, we put them to the side. And don't, like, think about this. We don't know if we're going to breathe the next second. And he knows what already happened and what's going to happen forever. Right? Mm. And so I want you to think about this. Everybody's sitting down right now in their chair, right? Do you have more faith in that chair than you do God? Because when you sat down, did you think twice it will, it will fold? Did you think twice that it was going to fall through the ground? You didn't think about that, right? But when God says something, tells us to do something, you're like, ah, I don't know. Or God's like, wait on this. Ah, I need it now. So do you have more faith in some wood and metal than you do God? So the reason why I think this happening is me because God is strategic. I have a sense of, I have a high sense of popularity around a lot of places. And I think that God wants to take somebody normal. I'm 25. I'm not up here in a Steve Hardy three-piece. I'm a normal guy. Uh, that just believes in God and walks his thing for real at this point. And I think he wants to take somebody normal. It was somebody young. I, you know, he's strategic. I didn't read everything you were talking about, so I can't just go and rehearse that and be like, yeah, I saw this. You know, everything he did was strategic. You know, it was a fact of, like, my generation needs a lot of help. Amen. Yeah, come on, sir. Yeah. 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 So he can take somebody older or somebody with wisdom, but when he takes somebody younger, and I'm on y'all's level, right? We all, whoop-de-whoop, -whoop, I mean, we all normal, right? And he takes somebody and, and switches their life like that. You can't help but to know it's real. Well, we're gonna do all we can to help you get this message out, because I know yeah. uh, God is using you as a sign and a wonder. And Dad, I, I'm curious, what do you think happened to Josh? You think he, he actually died and your prayers, your faith brought him back. You think that the whole thing was a strategic 
uh, thing that God was doing to make him a sign and a wonder. What's your sense as to what happened? Like he said, God is strategic. And had he been with somebody who didn't know how to operate in the spirit, he might not be here right, today, right now. So you do believe it, that he literally coded and that your faith was able to bring him back and God used I think I think because we have to understand our authority and dominion. And the word says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. That I spoke life to him and told Satan, you cannot have him. And I bind your work in the name of Jesus, that he shall live and fulfill the prophetic words that were spoken over his life. Now, in my lineage, in my family, my grandfather was a bishop, but his son fell. So I came next out of my entire family. He's right after me, and I know there's a calling on his life. Because from the time he was young, he was always a thinker. And what really blessed me about him is that he was bringing souls to the Lord in junior high school. And it wasn't just regular souls. It was a gothic, a Jehovah Witness, and a, and a, a Mormon. And he also brought an a, a atheist to the Lord in junior high school. Amen. You see what I'm saying? So when I saw what I saw, I knew that the enemy was trying to take his mind because uh, when we was in the service in Christian International, a prophet pulled him up and spoke and told him how he's gifted in his mind. So when I saw him fighting for his mind, God was trying to take the gift that you see today. So I thank God that he, he allowed me to be there to be able to handle the situation, not to, just because I'm a father, but because I understand the spiritual dimension that his life can be preserved. Wow. Amen. Amen, Dad. Let's thank God for a godly dad. What do you say? Oh, hallelujah. Parents, don't stop praying. Don't stop believing. Don't stop decreeing. Don't stop declaring. Don't stop prophesying over your kids. Don't stop. Don't stop. The devil cannot have them. I don't care if they go all the way to hell. Don't you leave them there. Get them back out of there. Get them to where God wants them to be. There's destiny in your mouth. There's destiny in your life. And here's a sign and a wonder that shows us that. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory to God. Glory to God. Josh, they're, they're young people that are going to see this video. Mm -hmm. They're older people that are going to see this video. Mm -hmm. They're people that have days left to live. Mm -hmm. They're people that have hours left to live that might see this. They're people that are 20 that feel like the rest of their life is assured. I want you to just look into that camera. Mm -hmm. I want you to just talk to them, man, from your heart. What do you have to say to them? What's your last message to them before we close this interview? My last message will be to get serious. Listen, you're talking about a normal dude. All right, I was maneuvering in normal ways. I was a child of God, but get serious. This is not a game. I am 25 years old, and I had a stroke, heart attack, and a seizure. And I had a pretty healthy lifestyle. I ain't eat no junk food. I ain't drink sodas, no coffee at all, no sweet teas. I had a pretty healthy lifestyle. And I really do walk for God. And yet this happened. And if I wasn't in the right place at the right time with the right person, which is my dad, I'd have been gone forever. And granted, like I said, that's not the worst place ever, but where are you going? That's the question. Where are you going when you, when you, when you leave this earth? Where is your body going to go? Where is your soul going to go? 
Because if you don't know that question, you need to fix it. If you can't say for sure, I'm going to heaven, I will be with God, awaiting his every command. If you cannot say that with full confidence, not a doubt in your mind, there is some fixing and some seeking you really have to do. Mm. Mm. I don't care if you're 12 years old. I don't care if you're 70 years old. Just because you're 70 don't mean you got it all together. And just because you're 12 don't mean you don't. Mm. So my real message to you is get serious and get focused. All Life is great. Friends and family, all this is great. But you have to remember, that's not going with you to heaven. So if there's anything you're going to focus on, it should be this walk with God. And how are you going to get there? What can you do? Don't wait to get to heaven to be, obe be obedient now. Wait on his every command now. Wait on his every instruction now. Reverence his name now. Give him honor now. Everything is now. You don't have tomorrow. You don't have the next minute. You don't have the next second. None of that is promised. Even I realize that fully now. None of that is promised. But what is promised is what can you do at this very second to bring him more glory, him more honor, and really script your name into the name of heaven. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Josh. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap offering today. Wow, what a story. Do me a favor, wherever you are right now, just bow your head. Atlanta, bow your head. Everybody watching by streaming, just, just take a moment of reflection. Right now, every one of us have breath. Every one of us are alive right now. But tomorrow is not promised. Death is waiting for every one of us. Death is one appointment we'll never be late for. The question is, are you ready now? Now, not tomorrow, not next week. Are you ready now? And if you're not ready now, man, we need to fix that. We need to do something about it. Jesus shed his blood on the cross. He paid the way for every one of us to be saved. And if you're here in this church this morning, if you're watching by streaming in Atlanta, wherever you are, and you say, you know what? I'm not sure, and I want to be sure, and I'm ready to give my life to God. I'm ready to give my life to Christ. I want to do this thing right. I want to enter into eternity and be with him. If that's you, wherever you are in here, raise your right hand. If you're in Atlanta, raise your hand. Just raise it high. Raise it high. Put it in the air. This is not a shame thing. Raise it high. Raise it up if that's you here. Those of you watching my streaming, just put your hand on your chest where you are. I'm going to lead everybody to prayer in a minute. Those with your hand raised in here, stand up. Just stand up where you are. There's no shame in this. Eternity is too important to mess around with and play with. Atlanta, just stand up where you are. Those of you who are watching by streaming, just, just put your hand on your chest. Those of you who are standing, make your way out. Come down here. We're going to pray for you at the altar. Atlanta, do the same thing. Make your way down to the altar. Those of you at home, just keep that hand on your chest. I'm going to pray with you. Watching by streaming, I'm going to pray with you. Come on down to the altar right now. Come to the altar. Come down here. We're going to pray with you. Media, I'm going to stand up for a minute, adjust the cameras. We're going to pray with you. We're going to just lead you in a prayer where Christ becomes the Lord of your life. There's more people that are supposed to be down here that are down here. This is a moment you don't want to pass you by in Atlanta. Come on. Those watching by streaming, this is a moment where it's time to get our heart right, time to get our life right, time to get us where we need to be with God. It's time to stop playing. Everybody stand where you are here. Stand where you are in Atlanta. Everybody stand up where you are. Just stand. Stand where you are. This is a moment to check our hearts. It's a moment to check our lives. It's a moment for us to begin to reflect on eternity. We're going to do something else in a minute. We're going to pray for our loved ones. We're going to cry out for our loved ones who we know are not ready. We're going to do that in just a minute. But right now in Atlanta here and those watching by streaming, everybody just put your hand on your heart. Put your hand on your heart. And I want you to pray in your own way, in your own words. And I want you to just ask God to forgive you. 
Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to come into your heart. Ask him to save you and change you. To do a new work in your heart and in your life. Just pray your own way. Pray your own way. Pray your own words. God can hear you. Now, Father, I pray for these precious ones here, and I pray their life will never be the same again. You guys repeat after me. Say, Jesus, I come to you now. I give you my life. I give you my heart. Save me. Change me. Teach me to live the way you want me to live. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. May your power rest in me from this day on in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for those who prayed this prayer, God, let their life never be the same again. Lord, I pray that you do something new in their life. Lead them to believers that can help them grow. Lead them to people that can show them the way. Lord, as they read the Bible, give them understanding of the Bible. Fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit, God. We pray their life will be transformed and that everybody under the sound of our voice, when that day comes, they enter into eternity to be with you. God, let that be. Let that be. In the name of Jesus, we decree and declare new life in your life. We thank you. We give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's just give God a hand of praise for those in Atlanta, those that are here. What a day. What a day. Those of you that are here, if you'll turn around and face our pastor right here, I want you to just follow her. She's going to share a couple of things in Atlanta. Our pastor, Kwasai, is going to take over. Those of you by streaming, listen, inbox us, text us. We'll send you what you need. We'll do whatever we can to help you, to help you grow in this newfound faith in Christ. But this is one of the best days of your life. Josh, you're an amazing young man, son. You're an amazing young man. You're a sign and a wonder. We're going to pray for this young man. He's got to reach his generation and many others like him. Just stretch your hands out as we pray for him. Father, in the name of Jesus, we bring your son before you. God, give him more anointing. Give him more grace. Open his heart and his mouth to begin to speak more boldly to his generation, God. Cause him to draw many people into the kingdom. Cause him, God, to, Lord, Lord, can we see an awakening again? Can we see an awakening of a generation to wake up, number one, and realize who you are? Number two, to wake up and realize eternity. God, can we see that? Use this man and many others. Start a revolution but a different kind of revolution. Equip this young man and many like him to hold high your name and to trumpet that light and let all men see who you are. God, thank you for godly fathers who pray for their sons, for their children. Raise up many more. Bless families. We honor you and we give you praise, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Any last thing you want to share, sir? You good? Give the Lord a better clap offering than that. Bishop, get ready to come. Come on, give him a better clap.